Good morning. Welcome to a special weekend edition of Axios Today. It's April 10th. I'm Nyla Boodoo, and we're trying something new this Saturday. Today's entire episode is me talking to one person. It's a place for us to go more in-depth than we can during the week. Our first guest is U.S. Senator Tammy Duckworth. She just published a new memoir called Every Day is a Gift. The Illinois Democrat is just one of 17 Asian Americans in Congress. She's a Purple Heart recipient who became a double amputee as a result of her military service. And she's a mom. She was actually the first senator to have a baby while in office. Here's our conversation. So thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. I have to tell you, I've read a lot of memoirs, and this is certainly a very memorable one. And I was just thinking, like, I've actually lost track of the number of times that I have interviewed you, but I didn't know all of these details about your life and your childhood, what it was like growing up as a biracial child in Thailand, how hard you worked to support your family when you were in high school. And I feel like we get a first hint of this with one of your first memories when you were three or four and the way you reacted to your dad getting military orders that would have taken him away from your family in Thailand. Can you share that story? Yeah. I mean, my first instinct, even when I was three or four, was to, and if you have, if you come from an Asian household, you know this, was run to the kitchen and look under the sink for the giant bag of rice to make sure that there was rice there. I could tell my mom was upset and I was upset that dad was going to be gone. But my first thing was security and security was knowing that we had rice to eat. So that's the first thing I did. I, and I think every Asian household has that 40 pound bag of rice under the kitchen the sink. <laughs> I've always been a problem solver from the time I was little. I don't know why why it's just always been my instant reaction to things is try try to break them down and figure out how to fix the problem. Why do you think you were so concerned about security when you were so young? Well, because I knew that my security was precarious because of the fact that, you know, my dad was an American soldier. And even though he had retired from the military by this point. I could see all these other admiration kids around me, especially the street kids, um, who had been abandoned by their American GI fathers. Now, my dad married my mom, and, and I was in a very different situation. But um, it wasn't unheard of that the American GIs would leave and abandon. So for me, you know, we didn't know if dad was going to come back. You look around, and, and you see other kids who look like you who are living on the streets as beggars, and you internalize a lot of that. I wonder how much you think that childhood shaped how you communicate with people now. You know, it it really shaped me when I started campaigning for the Senate, because that is when I started traveling around Illinois more and started going to places where I started to come across folks who were in the same situation I was in in my teens that my dad lost his job. And they're unemployed now, just as my dad was. And I started to talk to people about hunger. I worked on hunger issues when I was in the house, but I didn't really talk about the fact that I had been on food stamps as a kid very much. And it wasn't until I started representing the entire state as opposed to my relatively affluent suburb of Chicago that I started to share the story and really connect with people about how, you know, why was it that I understood what they were going through because I had gone through it as a child. What changed, do you think, for you to start sharing that? You know, for me growing up and and most of my early adult life, it was not something to be proud of that we were on food stamps. People looked down on it. You know, I was embarrassed to go to school and have to use, you know, a little token in order to get my school breakfast and school lunch because it meant that we were the poor kids, not like the other kids. 
And and even though my high school was one where over 50% of the kids were on the school breakfast, school lunch program, it was still, you know, a, a social status thing. And for me, I think what changed was realizing that my childhood mattered to my constituents because I could talk to them about the fact that I was there and I understood where they were and, and that there was a way out and that there was help. I think that was really what changed for me was when I realized that telling my story helped other people. Your new memoir is called Every Day is a Gift, and a lot of it does have to do with your time in military service. And it was interesting to me to read in the acknowledgments that you uh, thanked your writing collaborator for helping you push past what you wrote was the security blanket of Army identity. How did the process of writing this memoir change your sense of how you see yourself? It really gave me a lot of insights, and and my collaborator really gave me a lot of insights. She picked up right away on the undercurrent of my relationship with my dad and said, I really needed to explore it more. And I hadn't really thought about it. I was just talking about why I went to the military because I wanted to serve. And and my family has always served because my dad's family served since before the revolution. And we were in Southeast Asia because of my dad's service. But I really was forced and encouraged by her to dig deeper into that relationship with my dad and explore it. And I think it is beneficial to the book. And I think, you know, as people read it, they're going to see me sort of have this daddy's little girl image of my dad when I was little. And and that gets more complex as I grow up. And as I realize that my dad, you know, was a flawed man. He did the best that he could, but he was flawed himself. And towards the end, you know, the book does get to the point where I come to terms with that, that my dad wasn't the big hero I thought he was when I was a child, but that He did what he did, and he was a flawed person. And in the end, we had the resolution. More of my conversation with Senator Duckworth after this short break. Welcome back to Axios Today. I'm Nyla Boudou. I'm speaking with U.S. Senator Tammy Duckworth about her new memoir, Every Day is a Gift. It tells her life story, including the emotional one of surviving a helicopter crash in Iraq that took her legs. I still cry when I think about my buddies and what they did to save me. And I go into detail talking about the shoot down because I wanted to acknowledge everyone who played a part. And the book is called Every Day is a Gift because every day since the day that I was shot down has been a gift. Every day has been a gift to me that I get to live and hopefully live to the fullest in honor of their sacrifice. And it's just so humbling to me what these men did to save my life and what the doctors and the nurses did to save my life. And so, um, you know, even sometimes when I give speeches and I, and I talk about that day, I still break down because I'm so humbled and just almost disbelieving in what my buddies did to not leave me behind. You also wrote that everything you do is to be worthy of that crew that saved your life. What does that mean to you? Like, what do you think is worthy? Well, trying to lift up to the ideals that they showed that day of sacrifice, of unity, of of fighting for something bigger than yourself and living my life in a moral way that upholds the values that my buddies showed that day in not giving up in watching out for all of us instead of the individual. And so every day I, I look in the mirror and I, and I say a prayer of thanks for my crew, for Dan Milberg and, 
And Sergeant Fierce, that's a great name for an Army NCO, Sergeant Fierce, Chris Fierce, and Kurt Hanneman, who was my door gunner, and Pat Minks, and all the guys. And then I go out and I, you know, whether I'm voting on the floor of the Senate or crafting legislation or visiting someplace in Illinois, I try to live up to the duty and honor and sacrifice that they showed that day. And and I don't ever want any one of those guys to say, you know, she she's really messed up. She's really messed up. I thought Tammy was better than that. I don't ever want them to be able to say that because I want them to know that every single day I try to be as good as I can possibly be because of what they did for me. Has anyone ever told you that's a that's a really big burden to carry? You know, I don't think of it as a burden. I think of it as my North Star. So when I have an issue that I'm not sure of and I think, am I, am I doing this right? It's my North Star. It's the Army values. In the book, I talk about the Army values that I internalized very early on in my military career. So, so much so that I, I hung the warrior ethos and the soldier's creed above my hospital bed. These are the standards that I choose to live up to. And I'm proud to strive every day to try to live up to them because, let me tell you, the burden was those guys carrying me out of that field. You know, the stuff that they went through to try to save me, they bore the burden so that I can have this life. How do you describe it to your daughters? Like, I wonder what you think it will be like when Abigail is old enough to read this. I wrote this book for her. I never thought I would write a book about me growing up. I had always thought if I ever write a book, it's going to be about the peer visitors. And I spend some time in the book talking about the peer visitors, the, the, all the characters that visited in the hospital who, from the milkshake man, the, the double amputee uh, World War II veteran who walked around in his prosthetics legs after you know, he was done with his job, he would come through and, and hand out milkshakes. So I thought I would tell all of their stories. I never thought I would tell my story in a book. But Abigail had been asking me, she's six now, but she was about four going on five and in preschool when she realized that mommy was different than the other mommies. Because I would come and do parent-teacher day or craft day at school, and I would be the only mommy in a wheelchair. She didn't know me any differently, but then she started to ask me, well, what happened? And I said, well, mommy was in the army and, and all this. And then one night she said to me, before, right before I or maybe in the middle of me reading her her bedtime story, she said, but mommy, why couldn't somebody else's mommy or daddy go? Why did it have to be you? I, I don't understand. Now you don't have legs. Why, why did you do it? And I wanted her to have the answer to that, which was it was worth it. It was worth it. That's why I wrote the book. The book is a love letter to my country, but really an answer to her question of, she didn't phrase it this way because she's too young, but was it worth it? Yes. Yes, it's worth it. America is worth it. This country is so amazing. And there are so many gifts that we receive just by nature of being Americans, the privilege that we have. And that's why I wrote the book was to show her that America is worth it. And if you told me today that you would send me back 20 years and put me through flight school and I get to live that life all over again, and I still get blown up, I still lose my legs, I would say do it. I have so many friends who are Asian American who are in sort of like the sandwich generation where we're taking care of our parents and our mm -hmm. children. 
You've been so public about calling attention to the anti-Asian hate crimes that have happened, especially this year. What do you tell your mother and what do you tell your daughters? How are you navigating those questions at home? I am worried about my mom. My mom actually is living with us right now. She's usually in Hawaii and she comes and visits several times a year, but she's moved in with us permanently. So I am that sandwich generation. But even before she moved in, I was still making her doctor's appointments, you know, long distance by phone and everything. I worry about my mom because my mom is very independent. She's going to be 80 here in, in a month. She still drives. She goes shopping. She, you know, don't get into between her and her <laughs> Asian grocery shopping. She's got to go to like four different stores to buy all her ingredients. But she gets comments in 2020, you know, she'd be at the grocery store and people were not very nice to her. Comments of, you know, go back to where you came from as she's trying to pick out apples for her grandchildren. She just told me the other day where she uh, was really being mistreated and verbally by an associate at the store. And, and she finally said, listen, I'm not here to fight with you. I'm just here to buy food for my family. How do you reconcile that with your love of America? And you have given so much for it. Well, I reconcile that with the fact that we're not that perfect union, that we're trying to be a more perfect union and we are trying to fix it. And and that's my role is to try to fix it. To my mom's benefit, she spoke up for herself and she pushed back and talked to the manager and said, this is not right. And, and they acknowledged that it wasn't right. And she got resolution. So I'm sorry that she had to go through that and, and still does. But bottom line, you know, this is still better than many of the places that we've seen uh, that I saw growing up, that she certainly saw as, as a young woman overseas. I've never claimed that America was perfect. I've always claimed that America was a land that gave you opportunity and that in exchange for that opportunity, we should all serve in some way and make that more perfect union. Try to achieve it. Senator Duckworth's new book, it's out now, it's called Every Day is a Gift. Thank you for taking the time to speak with us at Axios. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. that's it for this special weekend edition of Axios Today. Please let us know what you thought of it by emailing podcasts at axios.com. We're a production of Axios and Pushkin Industries. This episode was produced by Justin Kaufman, Nuria Marquez-Martinez, and Dan Bobkoff, and engineered by Alex Sugiyara. Special thanks to Sarah Kehilani-Gu, Margaret Talev, and Mike Allen. Thanks for listening. I'm Nyla Boodoo, and we're back with the news on Monday morning. <laughs>